Good afternoon, everybody. Am I on? I think so. Welcome to Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. I am Father Larry, in case you don't know. <laughs> anyway, today is March the 9th, correct? 2023. And I think we're like on number 82, episode 82 of Anchored in Hope. And, uh, until we get the new format, we will be talking today will be the, the last of the sacraments, the anointing of the sick, and then the half hour of questions, and then we'll start a new topic beginning next week. Next week, I will be, God willing, in Sherman, Texas, doing a parish mission at St. Mary's Church in Sherman, Texas, which I believe is about an hour, an hour and a half northwest of Dallas Fort Worth so this is the second or third time I'm flying into Dallas uh, this year I've been spending a lot of time in Texas and I love Texas so it's always good uh, to come down there and spend some time so if you're in the area uh, come on up I will be again in St. Mary's Church in Sherman Texas parish mission all next week from seven to nine each night the first night we focus on prayer and I'll take you through a prayer experience. The second night we focus on the family and we focus on the mass. And so I'll do a talk on the mass beginning before mass and then speak on the family uh, during the homily of the mass. And then on the third day, Wednesday is the Passion of the Christ, which is uh, very appropriate for Lent. And uh, after that we hear confessions. And then the last night is adoration and healing. And so we anoint everybody with St. Joseph's oil from Montreal, Canada. And um, a lot of miracles can happen. So I ask you to be praying for us, uh, me speaking and them listening, and all of us that uh, God will be manifest in a miraculous way all next week. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we thank you that you are always close to us, always wanting to embrace us and heal us and love us. We ask you to help us to always know that you're always part of our lives, always loving, always caring, always healing, always leading us in your will. We ask you, Father, to help us to know your presence always. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Mary, mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, so with this week, we finish the sacraments, uh, and we focus, remember again, the definition of a sacrament. It's an outward sign instituted by Christ that gives grace. An outward sign instituted by Christ that gives grace. And so when it comes to the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, again, this isn't last rites. Huh? It can be given with viaticum, which would make it last rites, but it's the anointing of the sick. And still to this day, when I go to hospitals uh, to anoint somebody, if they're older, they get this uh, uh, fear on their face because uh, I'm, the priest is coming. And so for them, if a priest is coming means I'm dying. And that doesn't mean that at all. It means that you need the, uh, the life the, the, and the healing that God wants to give you through the church. Again, you never have to be afraid 
when God comes to us in any sacrament. If we have faith and if we have the, the knowledge that God always wants what's best for me. Again, always. God always wants what's best for us. And if we can trust him in that, that's a fantastic thing. So the outward sign, of course, is the anointing with oil and the laying on of hands. The outward sign of the sacrament of the anointing of the sick is the laying on of hands and the anointing with oil, which is blessed by the bishop. Usually you can make the priest as the ability to, to make oil for blessing too, but it's olive oil, and it's usually from the bishop during the chrism mass. He makes it every uh, holy week, and then, then it goes to all the parishes. You know, the bishop um, has makes three masses every holy... As, yeah, I'm sorry. But during he has the chrism mass, always makes uh, three different type of oils. He makes oil of chrism, uh, which is used for baptism and confirmation and uh, holy orders. He uses, he makes the oil of uh, the infirm, which is used in the anointing of the sick for healing of people. And he makes the oil of catechumen. And that's to give the people who are studying for the faith who have not been baptized strength to live the Christian faith. And so all them are made by the bishop on um, usually at the Chrism Mass during uh, Holy Week. And so the outward sign, laying on of hands, uh, anointing with the oil of the infirm. The second thing, uh, outward sign instituted by Christ, it comes from here very explicitly from James. And it's the do-do-do-do-do. James chapter 5, verse 13 and following. James chapter 5, verse 13 and following. Is there any among you suffering? Or another translation says, is there any among you sick? He should pray. Is anyone in good spirits? He should sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? This is verse 14. He should summon the presbyters or the elders or the priests of the church. And they should pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick person. And the Lord will raise him up. And if they have committed any sins, they will be forgiven them. So that is the proof text of the anointing of the sick. And so when you see a priest and you're, you're seriously ill, meaning like uh, the, the catechism says, you know, if you have to get a serious surgery, if you have cancer, if you have uh, anything uh, they're going to put you under for, then you should ask for the priest for the anointing of the sick. And it's not so, Father, I, feel I have a cold coming. Could you anoint me? No. You know, it's, uh, it's for serious illness. And um, so when the priest comes, again, the beauty of the sacrament is it's to show that Christ is still alive in the church through the priest. And again, we just got done reading those who have followed with us uh, the gospel of St. Matthew. How many times, how many times, many, 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 many times Jesus healed the sick. And so again, Jesus will still heal the sick. And so that's what happens. That's the outward sign, and the, the grace is given is healing. And again, no, you got to watch because again, when I do a mission the last night, when we talk about the power of healing, I always say, "Now, what's the greatest healing?" And they'll always say, "You know," um, they usually cry out, "Spiritual." 
you know, because most of them had went to confession the night before and got the spiritual healing. But the greatest healing, of course, would be death. And they're going, uh, I don't want that one, Father. You know, again, everybody, everybody wants to go to heaven, correct? Yes, Father. That's what everybody wants. But the, uh, nobody wants to die to get there. Is that correct? Yes, Father. And uh, that's the only way to get to heaven. And so when we are people of faith, then we can sit there and know that reality. Again, I always use the analogy that if you think about your mother, however long ago you were born, and you think about her belly, and you remember that you lived inside of her for nine months, and you liked it in there. In fact, uh, you liked it so much that when you came out, you came out screaming. And you liked everything about being in there. But you didn't breathe air. You had embryonic fluid all around you and in your lungs. It's that fluid that kept you alive. It was dark. It was very dark. You could hear the heartbeat of your mother, of course. You could uh, feel your mother, experience your mother. Everything you had came from your mother. All your food, all your nourishment, everything for you to be alive came from your mother. But you couldn't see your mother until you were born unto eternal life. Huh? No, until you were born, sorry. And now you can see your mother, da, da, da. But as you can see your mother, if she's still around, uh, nobody ever wants to go back inside their mother, right? Just not like a disgusting father. No, I don't want to go back inside my mother. Well, it's like that. We are in the womb of God. doesn't make God a woman. It's an analogy. We can feel God. We can experience God. Everything we have comes from God. But we can't see God until we're born to eternal life. That's why the feast of the saints normally is on the day they were born, which means the day they died. That was the day they were born to eternal life. And again, this is the call for all of us that eventually we get to God. But when it comes to our time on this earth, we still pray for healing when we are sick. And again, remember I've told you many times that we all have one purpose in life, to do the will of God. So when he comes to heal us, and he healed many, many people, God wants to heal. So don't always think that the only healing God wants to give you is death. No, God wants to give you life, even when it comes to us dying. It's eternal life he's giving us. So God is not the dealer of death. God is always the dealer of life. So he wants to give us eternal life. Um, where there's no more suffering, no more pain, no more hatred, no more disagreement. We're just in a place where God loves us, where we love him, and we love each other forever. Think about the, the glory of all of us one day being together in the Lord, loved and loving. You know, that's what we're going to be doing, uh, being loved by God and loving God. You know, often people would say, well, it's just a beatific vision, so we just sit there and worship God forever. We worship him by loving him. And the reason he created us was to love us and to walk with us so we're never alone. So when you're sick, the same Jesus that walked the face of the earth is the same Jesus that can heal you. Huh? Yes, and often God says that um, spiritual healing comes first and then uh, physical healing. But when it comes to all healings, there's two things that can stop us from being healed. And you heard it in the book of James 
first of all, if you don't believe it, you're right, huh? That faith is what is necessary to unlock every sacrament. So you have to have the faith that God wants it. Remember in the beginning of Mark's gospel when he heals the leper, he comes up to Jesus and says, if you will it, you can heal me. And what does Jesus say? Of course I will it. I do will it. Be healed. But he made that act of faith, the leper, in uh, either Mark 1 or 2. He made an act of faith. And then God responds to that faith. Huh? And he heals him. Now again, even when it comes to um, uh, raising people from the dead, Jesus did that more than once, right? So let's take Lazarus, when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Well, Lazarus had to die again one day. Oh, happy day about that, right? What most people just have to go through once in their lifetime, Lazarus had to go through twice. So, And again, to me, that's the, uh, the worst part of the dying process is the process. You know, who wants to go through the process? Uh, nobody. I don't. Nobody does. Jesus didn't want to do it either. Didn't want to go through the process uh, the way. That's why I kept saying, um, Father, uh, let this cup pass me by. So we get it. It's not the death in itself. It's the process of dying that scares most people, me too, and Jesus too. So that's always a good reality to know. That's why, again, if you've been reading the Gospels with me and my parish, you're getting to see Jesus in his humanity. Uh, just like today, if you're in uh, the third and fourth chapter of Mark's Gospel, Jesus got angry. I love that. Not only did Jesus get angry, he was... Uh, uh, you know, his heart was broken. What's the actual thing that he was grieved at their hardness of heart, such humanity. And then uh, again, I always love this little thing in today's gospel where, you know, they're in the boat and uh, there's a storm coming here. And then it says Jesus, who was on a cushion, was sleeping. And, you know, sometimes people are so super, super, super religious that they're more religious than Jesus. You know, no, 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 no. Jesus shouldn't have been on a cushion. Jesus should have been on a hard plank and suffering. <laughs> what Jesus was doing, he suffered at the end. But he didn't make everyday suffering. And sometimes uh, followers of Jesus want to make every day about the cross. And Jesus didn't make every day about the cross, physically anyway. You know, he gave his life away every day and healing went out of him and different things. But he wasn't seeking to suffer every day. And so for people that seek to suffer every day, when God wants to give us life, where God wants to heal us, where God wants to give us eternal life, we should not be seeking suffering. We should always be seeking life because God is the God of life, no matter what. So that we got to be people who, when we want what God wants, the holy will of God, and God always wants to give away our life. So again, in Mark's gospel, um, one of the first people he healed of sickness, he, he healed the leper earlier, or uh, I think he cast out the demon. Um, but then the first one he heals is Peter's mother-in-law, right? And I bet you Peter's mother-in-law was ecstatic. I mean, uh, uh, Peter was ecstatic about that. Oh, yeah, heal my mother-in-law. We thought she was going to heaven, and you keep her here. But what did she do? She served. Sometimes people want to be healed so they can have a longer um, retirement. And retirement, uh, heaven's much nicer than the other place on this earth for retirement. 
but it's so we can do God's will. And so he gives us life so that we can bring life to others. Again, everything that God does for us isn't just for us. It's for us to share with other people. Uh, the life that he gives us, we give life to others by uh, ministering to them or serving them. And then God often gives us life. So faith is what's necessary. Uh, we need faith to make the sacrament, open the sacrament and make it work. So you got to believe that God has the power to heal and that he wants to heal. So you got to believe that God has the power to heal and that he wants to heal. If you will it, I can be healed. I do will it in Mark's gospel. What a powerful reality. Jesus loves these in personal encounters with us. It's not just faith in a God who can heal us. It's a faith in Jesus who's alive, that has power over life and death, has power over demons and principalities, and whose power over illness has the power over me to heal me. And uh, the second thing you got to do to be experience the fullness of the sacrament is you have to have a forgiving heart. Because again, some people are sick because there's so much unforgiveness in them. You know, when Jesus teaches us the Lord's Prayer and he says, after he immediately explains that if you forgive others, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive you. So part of healing is a forgiving heart. And so if I, no, I refuse to, you know, I was just watching something yesterday in a, and a girl's uh, mother was killed, and she's now 30. And I have no idea what the program was. It was just something on as I was doing something else. But what it was is I turned around. She was walking by her mother's grave, and she says, I don't, ex I don't see how anyone could expect me to forgive the man who killed my mother. And again, God expects that. God expects that. Why? When we... When we were killing Jesus' son, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. And he tells us to love the same way. Again, it, when you forgive somebody, it doesn't do anything to them. It releases you from being a victim the rest of your life. Huh? And again, that's sometimes very hard to tell somebody, people, and I tell that to people about all kinds of stuff. They got to let go of the past, and they get very mad at me. I mean, oh, They'll cry and then they'll look at me and be very, very angry and say, you know, you're not very caring. But what I'm telling them is that which is going to heal them. So to actually be healed, you need a forgiving heart. So two things that will keep you from being healed is, a, uh, is if you don't believe it and two, if you haven't an unforgiving heart. So you got to really ask the Holy Spirit always to reveal to you anyone you have not forgiven and then make an act of the will. Lord, I forgive them and I ask you to forgive them. I forgive them and I ask you to forgive them. And then God can begin great things in your heart and start bringing you healing. That, that act of forgiveness is one of the greatest things to set you on the way to healing physically, mentally, psychologically, uh, all spiritually, all kinds of ways. So, but when it, let's go back to the thing, like I used to, uh, and I, I do every, every uh, year I go back and I do, uh, every time I do a mission, I bring the oil and I anoint people with uh, uh, St. Joseph's oil. It's not anointing of the sick, it's a sacramental anointing. Anyway, so when I do that, I says, uh, 
when it comes to belief, even priests don't believe it. You know, years ago when I was uh, used to go and do a lot of healing masses, and so I was at a place in Meadville, Pennsylvania, uh, which is only about a half hour outside of Erie. I was a young priest, and I had prayed with people, and so a couple came and rang the bell. I was only ordained a couple years at the place I was at, and I wasn't there. Uh, Monsignor is there, God rest him. And um, he says, can I help you? And it was the husband and wife, and she did the talking, of course, and says, uh, is Father Larry here? And he goes, no, uh, can I help you? And uh, she goes, yes. Six months ago, we were at a healing mass, and my husband was a, uh, and Father Larry prayed over everybody after mass, and my husband is a type 1 diabetic, and he was healed, completely healed, you know, his sugar went right and different things, and then uh, he actually went to the, the doctor, and after six months, the doctor wrote an affidavit that this man was healed, and so uh, they just wanted to come and tell me, and so again, I wasn't there, so Monsignor says, well, can I see the, uh, the sheet? Uh, affidavit and they did and so he says okay I'll tell him for the next so the next day I'm at dinner with the pastor again great great man great great good 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 holy man he's now with the Lord but um so he says to him uh he says Larry I go yeah and he says uh last night a couple came to the door to see you and they wanted to tell you that they got healed uh, he got healed of type 1 diabetes and uh, I go oh, praise God he goes no 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 Larry you don't understand they were really healed. He was really healed. I go, well, yes, Monsignor, don't you believe that God can heal? And the answer to all so many people is, well, well he could, but he, he doesn't normally do that. And I think that God doesn't bring all the healings that we see in the New Testament because of all the lack of faith today. We need to have this faith. You know, Sister Bridge McKenna goes around and healings come all the time. Uh, she spends four hours a day in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and she does all the healing stuff in front of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And if we really believe that Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist, what's the difference than Jesus when he walked around and Jesus that's present in the monstrance? Nothing. It's a sacramental reality, but it's still the reality of the person of the God-man, Jesus Christ. And he can bring great healing to us if we seek it, if we forgive, if we believe it. And uh, gosh, God wants us to do that. Even um, two stories, my grandmother, um, God rest her, you know, I went and she had a heart attack and uh, I went down to Pittsburgh and I gave her the anointing of the sick. But then I also gave her some of the St. Joseph's oil and I said, Graham, put it on your heart and ask St. Joseph to heal you. And I put on the heart first and I asked her to do it every day. Well, when she went to the surgery, she had two 98% blockages. And whatever the procedure was that she had, I have no idea. Uh, she was awake. I just know that. And the doctor was saying, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah, he was using God's name in vain. But um, he said, and she says, what's the matter, doctor? And he says, look at Mrs. Slattery. We're right now in, uh, in there to do a procedure, and both your arteries are 100% open. And she goes, it was the Lord. And he said, it had to be someone because this doesn't happen in 24 hours without surgery. And so one of the great miracles in my family's life was then. And I was young and it was just uh, more reality of, you know, I have great devotion to Joseph and I go up every year to St. Joseph's Oratory in Montreal, Canada. I have to go up pretty soon because I'm down to my last two uh, 
things of oil and the, the miracles that can happen. It's fantastic. So, but then about, uh, well, it's 10 years ago now. Huh? I was, after I did my Rome sabbatical, I came back and I was coughing a lot. And uh, as I was coughing, you know, I was thinking I gotta have walking pneumonia or something. So uh, I have a, a great parishioner who's a lung doctor. And so I saw him one Sunday after mass and I said, uh, could I have a, uh, uh, you know, a walking pneumonia or something? And he says, uh, well, let me, you might have bronchitis, Father, or something. Let me come check it out tomorrow. So he came over to the rectory the next day to my office. <laughs> pretty nice, huh? And, uh, so, you know, he listened to me, and he said, you sound pretty good. Let's get an X-ray. So the next couple of days, I went over and got an X-ray, and this was early Lent. And, um, and he goes, uh, okay, let's look at it together, the X-ray. And we go in, and then there's this, uh, this spot about the size of a quarter on my lung. And he goes, oh, well, that's not good. And I go, huh? And he goes, uh, well, Father, sometimes on x-rays you can have shadows. So it might be a shadow. Let's try another month and let's get another x-ray. Well, month turned in a little bit later because I was in the middle of parish missions, as I do in Lent. And uh, so he got me one day after Mass. He says, Father, you got to come tomorrow and you got to get that other x-ray. Okay, Jeff. And so... The next day, I went over uh, to his office, and uh, he took another x-ray, and he says, let's look at the x-ray together. So we went in, and he put the old x-ray up, and then he put the new x-ray up, and then he goes, oh, Father. He said, we're going to get you through this. Don't worry. <laughs> I said, what? And uh, the, uh, the mass had doubled in size. And he says, don't worry, Father. Uh, we're going to get you through this. And okay. And so... He says, now you're going to have to get either the CAT scan or MIR, MRI, whatever, um, so we can see how big it is and what's going to be the next uh, procedure, what we're going to do next. I said, okay. So I can't remember, the honest to goodness truth, whether it was right before or right after I had it because the hospital where I got the procedure, you walk out my front steps, you walk across the, the street of Sassafras, and you go into the hospital. So it's right there. So... I sat there and I either, gosh, again, I can't remember when I go back to it, the procedure, whether I had the procedure first or whether I had the prayer first because I think it was after, right after the procedure, I went over and I knelt before the image of our Blessed Mother. And I said, Mary, if if it's God's will for me to come home, I am ready. Um, But I also know that the doctor can call me and say there is nothing there. And so... I did a mini novena, you know, a mini novena. This is beyond the, the sacrament of anointing. I get it. And I did the mini novena, but I just want to give the thing about the power of God to heal. And so I wasn't anointed by that. I was not anointed by anybody at this time. But I, I said the mini novena. And the mini novena is uh, 10 memorares, nine in petition, one in thanksgiving, knowing that Mary has answered your prayer. So I did, went over there, I knelt down, I said the mini novena, and I says either uh, you're taking me home or God's healing me, whatever. And so then I got up off and I went into my living room and I was sitting in my easy chair. Um, and as I was sitting there, my cell phone rang, or maybe an hour later. And uh, the doctor was a very quiet guy. He's kind of not jumping up and down. That would be too much to say about him. But as exciting as he could be, father, father, father. 
There's nothing there, Father. There's nothing there. And I go, oh, praise God. He goes, no, Father, you don't understand. There's nothing there. We have all the documents. We have the thing. I had three other uh, doctors come in and check it. Your, the, uh, the mass had doubled. And, Father, there's nothing, nothing there now. And I go, praise God. That was uh, over 11 years ago. So God can do great healing. But we have to have faith and we have to have a forgiving heart. So the, one of the best things to do is to find out, you know, make an act of faith is just, Jesus, I believe you can do anything. And, uh, and Jesus, I believe that you know what's best. No matter what happens, I want what you want. Huh? And so uh, then uh, you have to make sure there's no one in your heart you have not forgiven. So always pray to the Holy Spirit and say, Spirit of the living God, Reveal to me anyone that I have not yet forgiven. And then the Lord will make it very clear to you, people in your life you have not forgiven. And usually it's more than one person. <clears throat> and so whenever the Lord, through the Spirit, brings up the person or persons that you have not forgiven, stop for each one and say, Jesus, I forgive them. And I ask you to forgive them. It's an act of the will. Feelings mean nothing. But you must forgive, you must forgive, you must forgive, you must forgive. Jesus, I forgive them, and I ask you to forgive them. And then great miracles can happen in your heart and in your life. huh? Physical healing, spiritual healing, psychological healing can come if you have that faith and if you have a forgiving heart and if you ask for the priest of the church to anoint you, um, it's always fantastic stuff. Always believe that God wants what's best for you and trust him on that. You know, sometimes we try to tell God, I know what's best. Nobody loves you, including yourself. Nobody loves you as much as God loves you. Think about the God of the universe went out of his way to create you, to love you, to be with you. Think about all the ways Jesus healed people. He would spit on his hand and touch their tongue, really. Put his hands in their ears. God really got intimate with us when he heals us. And the God of the universe wants to enter into intimacy with you and bring you the healing that you need. So if you're sick, get the anointing of the sick. Do not be afraid of it. And uh, it does become... Uh, if it's given to you at the moment of death or dying, th there's other prayers that we add, and that's the um, for uh, the uh, we give you an apostolic pardon at the moment of death or as a person is dying. Apostolic pardon is full remission of all confessed sin, and then we give you communion. And when communion's given to you at that right before you die, it's called viaticum uh, to be with you on the way. So again, even at the moment when you're most afraid, you're not doing anything by yourself. Jesus is coming with you. Oh, think about it. Even that which scares most people more than anything else, Jesus comes with us during that time. So always be welcoming of the priest. Always have faith and always have a forgiving heart. And then Jesus will touch you. You got it? You get it? Are you going to do it? Made sure you know his love today and forever. Amen. Okay, now we'll go on and 
uh, we'll take your questions from about anything, not just, of course, this about this, but about anything you'd like to talk about. You just put it in the uh, comment sign on, on the side, those of you who are live on uh, uh, either the app or if you're watching on YouTube. And then I got that. I also got a lot of uh, email questions, so we'll go back and forth. But before I even do that, I want to acknowledge this. It says, Rome Boys. And that's out in uh, Texas, middle of nowhere. Had a fine time with these guys. So they, I was on their show, and I'm, I've put on uh, our uh, YouTube more than once here. The Oh, we even gave coffee in here. Isn't that nice? Oh, isn't that nice of them? Um, and so, because of his wife, there's Joe, that pagan, he wouldn't give me that, but his wife would. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. But uh, if, you, if you want a great uh, podcast, you know, I saw one of their uh, guests that I don't care for at all, which, you know, that's me, but he goes against the Pope, so when I saw that, I was very surprised that Rome Boys would even have that person on their show. But other people, but Rome Boys, it's a great, great podcast. So I've been on there, and there's a lot, and they, uh, Joe is going to be helping us with uh, doing a new introduction and doing all the editing. When I start bringing people on, they're going to be the first people I bring on. About I hope they have hope. They better have hope. And so uh, we're going to have them on, so they sent me their cup. We're trying to get uh, cups made for the people who will be on our podcast. But, again, we are going to be going to different formats and... Um, so we'll be interviewing more people, and we'll do one of these maybe like once a month. We'll do questions and that. But normally, again, as I've talked about, uh, 15 minutes is for those of you who are watching. Most of you are older like me, and we can sit there and watch this, but younger people will not watch an hour-long podcast. I've never watched an hour-long podcast, and I'm not young. But so we're going to be breaking it up. You can still watch a full hour, uh, but we'll be breaking up into 10, 15-minute periods so people can uh, at least get, you know, little bites uh, of that, and hopefully more people will watch that, and we'll have it at, at different times. I realize at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, excuse me, is when people are doing Divine Mercy Chaplet. I get it, I get it, but if I was to do it later, earlier, people from all around the world are watching this, people from all the time zones, so there is no perfect time zone, but we'll, we'll see what we can do. Okay, let's start in here. Good evening, Father and all. Thanks, Harry. Audrey, hi, Padre and all. Pray you're feeling better. Oh, I am by God's grace. Again, next week we'll do my podcast, but it'll be from Sherman. Uh, last week I was sick in bed most of the days, but finally I got over that. Uh, um, I got over my sinus infection. It was terrible. If the sun is out today, we're supposed to get seven inches of snow beginning tomorrow morning. So I was very much, it's cold outside though, but the sun is out. Okay, Honky Tonk John Gumbo. My relationship with Jesus has grown by spending time in his word, prayer, and serving others. But how do I increase my relationship with Mary? The rosary seems like babbling like the pagans. It is if you're not meditating. That's why the, the, uh, you must meditate on the mysteries. The words of the prayer are not something you focus on like you're saying the Lord's Prayer. That is so you can create a, a state where you can enter into the mystery. 
And so you're covering yourself with scripture because uh, the, the Hail Mary scripture and the Our Father scripture and the scripture is covering you and you're saying it, but you're truly entering into the mystery. So you're watching Jesus being born. You're watching Jesus dying. You watch Jesus at the Last Supper. You watch Jesus being baptized. So the way no one looked at Jesus more than Mary. So again, it's like putting a pair of glasses on Consider Mary the pair of glasses. You don't get stuck with the glasses. You look through the glasses to see something better. When we're saying the rosary, we're putting on Mary and looking um, to Jesus with Mary. And it's kind of like any friend when you are, have a common experience like Jesus. Then you fall in love by watching it together. You'll fall more in love with Mary the more you look through her eyes and see Jesus. Hope that helps. David, Father, do we need Father, do we need to send you our getting to know Jesus letter journals for your <laughs> review grade? I am enjoying the task. No, you don't have to send them to me. I wouldn't read them anyway. <laughs> so I just uh but again, I'm enjoying it too. I'm, I'm like uh, I was sitting there thinking as I've been going through all this that uh this is something all seminaries should implement. Um because it's a vital importance that priests and seminarians get to know Jesus. And again, they'll look at all the saints and they'll read all these spiritual books and they'll go through all these programs, but they're not just spending time with Jesus in his word, and it's so important. Um, again, I've been spending time with Jesus since I was 17, and doing this every day, focusing on writing about the person of Jesus, what he does, what kind of person he is, like to write down about Jesus as a man that he got angry today, that he was grieved today, that he sought comfort in the boat when he was laying on the cushion, that he could heal, he could do these things, but the 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 power of Jesus and him confronting the Pharisees and not being a wallflower and not just keeping his mouth shut, but uh, uh, going against the people who were considered their righteousness big, you know, healing people, eating and drinking with sinners, even though it made the holy people of his time angry. That most people, once they get to know how Jesus acted, and they see how we act, again, I've said before, the people that Jesus runs from are the people that we often run to. And the people we run away from are the very people Jesus ate and drank with. It, what does that mean? Someone's not doing what we need to be doing. We need to be embracing these people that Jesus embraced and uh, arguing with the people who Jesus argued with. Uh, and that would be a different that's why i love again it comes down to pope francis he's doing that exactly exactly that's what pope francis is doing and the pharisees of the day in our catholic church very pharisaical are challenging him and fighting him because he's too merciful because he eats and drinks with sinners you know and they can't take it and they are so blinded by their own righteousness just like the pharisees and scribes and the Herodians were blinded by their own theology and spirituality. That when you finally and you really read the Gospels and you're wanting to become like Jesus Christ, which we all do, we must all do, because again, he uh, always lived the Father's will perfectly, and if our job is to live the will of the Father, we got to see how Jesus did it. 
and then go and do the same. So I've always, and it's very important, I just think all seminaries, uh, people, they should make their seminarians do that so that they get to know really what Jesus looked. Snazzy-looking jacket. It's a, it's a sweater someone got me for Christmas, isn't it? Nice. It's very snowy, and it kind of makes me look a little fat, I think, and I'm really uh, down in my weight, but who cares? It's all vanity. Anyway, Tony, thank you for bringing hope to so many. Why should we bring someone who is sick to get in? When should we bring um, someone who is seriously ill? You know, so they have cancer, they have to get surgery, they have to, um, they can't shake something. Um, but again, more than just uh, um, a cold. When are you coming to South Jersey? When I get invited, I don't think I've ever been invited to South Jersey. I've been up in Northern Jersey a lot, but I haven't been to Southern Jersey. So talk to your pastors. I still have a, uh, a mission uh, space open in the fall. And so you can fill up. But again, if the pastor's not on board, that's been the problem. Uh, we can't get the pastors. You have people that want this, but pastors don't want this because it, it takes too much work to have me come in. They have to be there every night and da 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 da, da. And some of them, uh, no, I'm doing just fine. Okay. This is the only one I come to where people want me to come, but I'd gladly come down. Okay, Jersey, yes. Christina, the praise and worship was live streamed last week. Great. Uh, good. I know uh, they did that. I'm sorry I couldn't be there, but again, I have one more mission this uh I've had four missions this year, and boy, it takes a lot out of me, and I'm already like, ah. Oh. So um, I got, I already got my car rental and everything else for down there, but I'm already looking forward to coming home. <laughs> so if you're, if you're from Sherman, Texas, don't take that wrong. Well, God will still do great work. Um, it's not about me. It's about him. But sometimes it's like, okay, Lord, do I have to do this again? Yes, I do. Okay. Chris Walker, did you see Pope Francis say people should give up trolling on the internet for Lent? I did. I saw that which, when you sent it, and I've seen it, I saw it before. Um, so it's, if Francis says it, they'll just dismiss it anyway, the people that need to hear it the most. Trolls are trolls, whether they're Catholic or not Catholic. Um, I told people just to give up the internet. You know, people's not interested in your opinion. They're not interested in my opinion. Uh, that's why I only quote scripture um, and make either a question or a comforting um, thing to help people. I'm tired of arguing. You know, when people want to argue with me, or I just, nope, I'm not going to do it. Uh, there's other people that love that stuff. And I used to love it when I was younger. But nowadays, uh, because nobody, if they come up to me and want to argue, forget it, I'm done. But if they want to come up and discuss, like we do here, well, please Absolutely, as long as we're seeking truth and not trying to make other people just see our truth, including me. That's not what this is about, okay? Um, this isn't the day that Peter betrayed Jesus. Isn't this the day that uh, Peter betrayed Jesus? No, Jesus betrayed Jesus on Holy Thursday. Um, Tony, I have started watching The Chosen before a pilgrimage to Israel, and I'm enjoying it. Have you seen any of the episodes I've seen um, uh, a lot of uh, the first season. I haven't watched the rest, but I even have it on DVD, uh, and I love it. Again, I love, I love it. It's a great, the great, great thing, the chosen. Uh, blessings, thank you, Sherry. In Matthew fifteen twenty four twenty nine, I think 
The woman who asked Jesus to heal her child and he denied her so she, as she pleaded. Did she change God's mind to include non-Jews to know Jesus? If not, why did he deny her? Well, again, he called her a, a dog, too. It wasn't the most... Uh, again, I just love that. I think in his humanity, he was having a bad day. You know, we have him. You know, again, people can sit there and, you know, they say, if they find out the way you are, people of God, I have bad days. I say bad things. I get irritated with people. Um, and so it's, for me, it gives hope that, okay, Jesus was having a bad day, but she pushed. It teaches us perseverance. She kept pushing. And then Jesus says, great is your faith. Again, faith. Faith doesn't give up. Faith keeps pushing. Faith keeps believing, even when everything says it couldn't believe. So he was calling her to faith, and she uh, responded with perseverance in faith, and then Jesus healed. But I always, uh, it's very, you know, we theologize these stories to make Jesus look good. But I'm always big about letting Jesus look real because it gives me hope uh, when I get that way and so many other people get that way. Just curious, if the answer is, fur, is further in reading, just tell me, keep reading, not wanting to offend. Of course you're not offending. Uh, Jesus offended. And again, if you ever look at, uh, and he offended the Pharisees. I mean, Jesus wasn't a gentle, always person. You know, there was times he was very gentle, but notice he was gentle with the sinners. He wasn't gentle with the righteous. Now, the woman, again, um, I encourage you to look Put it in Google. That uh, this is what I do, and I want to understand more. And you'll get all kinds of interpretations about why he did that. Uh, all of it, of course, is, even mine, is just uh, uh, theological speculation. And so, uh, but it can help if you get different perspectives on that. Okay, I agree, Audrey. I have been doing your Latin challenge and find it took me until the end of the gospel of Matthew to actually truly listen to the word of God. Fantastic. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Just noticed and noticed the sweater. I know. Anyway, let's go on here and get some uh, questions. Father Larry, I've been watching internet and uh, the revival events of Asbury University in Kentucky. Yeah, I saw that and it is growing. Would you care to comment on it? I think it's a great movement of God's spirit. Again, sometimes people think the God of the universe only deals with us Catholics. And it's like the Jews would said, God only deals with Jews. Jesus came to save everybody. God wants everybody to be saved and come in knowledge of his truth so we can see the, the power of the movement. Again, Billy Graham brought me to Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. So the spirit is beyond the Catholic Church. So yes, I, I believe that God's working a, a mighty thing there. Also, there's a way you can, we can now incorporate into Catholic worship in here and now. In 1970s, the Holy Spirit was prominent in Catholic Church laity, and there's such suspicion toward it, me included. Uh, Mike, yes. Um, the charismatic movement, my parish is a charismatic parish, to the movement of the spirit and be open to that. And again, I think it's so hard to have it in the Catholic faith because we make all worship ritual. And if it doesn't fit into our ritual, then it doesn't fit. And I think God loves to go beyond ritual. He loves ritual, but he loves to go beyond it too. That we do a great disservice to our God when we say, this way and only, this is the way and the only way. 
and this is the way you're to pray and the only way to pray. And this is the way it got to be and the only way it got to be. We limit God. We stifle the spirit. And uh, we need to be more open. So mass isn't the way to do that in the Catholic Church, but there are ways for prayer groups and other things, uh, other spiritual realities that we can do outside of mass. But we could do it more in mass if we weren't so focused on the ritual and more focused on Jesus and that we can't even say the mass or be part of the mass except for the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we focus more on the Spirit uh, setting us all on fire, whether we're the priest saying mass or the people going to mass, then uh, it could change the world. But I don't see that happening because too many people say, nope, God doesn't work that way and they limit the God of the universe. That's always the worst of all things. Okay. Okay. I wish, wish I could remember all your analogies and outlook on things like what you said about retirement and having so many fear of death upon uh, retirement. Now we can look at it differently. Yes, and all these things are tapes, so you can go back to it again and again and listen to it again and again. That's why it's out there. And all these things, the easiest way to get to them, you can always get to them through the app. Uh, 24 hours a day free. You can always go to YouTube and do it there too. Okay, Sunshine, does the way a person votes be a sin? It can be. I have heard from different members of the church that voting for certain candidates can be considered a mortal sin that damns a person's soul. Yes, there's all kinds of people that love to damn people, isn't there? You got to vote your conscience. Um, Myself, I could never vote for a pro-choice politician. Couldn't do it because they believe in the killing of children. But I'm not going to tell people they're in mortal sin if they do for many reasons. And again, just by saying that, then people say, well, you're not a true Catholic father. And I can't tell you what I want to say to them. Um, but again, you have to always remember, every way we judge people, God judges us, judges us the same way. And so there are many mortal sins, of course, um, and they're all enough to damn one to hell. So, yes, it can, but the church uh, uh, people have taught that and bishops have taught that, but, you know, Francis and uh, most of the bishops have not taught that anyway. Okay, silly, silly. Uh, so hearing that it's great that I can get to be old and bedbound a long time. Well, there you go. Awesome testimony. There you go. Sherry, there's nothing there. Glad it wasn't a brain scan. Ha! You pagan! That's it. You're going to get it. <laughs> Miserable. <laughs> there you go. I asked you to forgive them. Very good. Tormos, Father, may your will be done in us, our families, our friends, our countries. Very good. I'm glad these pod can be play, replayed. Queen of Peace, Karen. Karen, this is a place for uh, not you to push your personal prayers. It's a place to ask questions. So I ask you not to fill up all this space with you because you're putting yourself first. This is just totally inappropriate for you to put all this stuff in here. You understand? So I'm respectfully asking you not to do that. This isn't the place for that. You can write us in, uh, to the foundation. We have people praying 24 hours a day, and all these prayer requests you're asking, that would be appropriate to go there, okay? So uh, don't fill up. This, this thing is just for people to ask questions, Karen, please. Uh, Viaticum, now I know. 
It's so awesome here, priest speaking, healing of faith, Johnny Gumbo. I love when you say pagan, so silly, I know. Um, because I laugh out loud, there you go. You calling me old? If you're my age, you're older, yeah, we're getting there. Um, I still keep thinking I'm a kid, you know, but I know that uh, my my knees hurt, everything. It's kind of my, uh, my system has been compromised. I keep getting sick. I don't get it. So, but anyway, I know that uh, God is with us. That's the whole thing. Okay, let's go to another reading here. Another question from the emails. Hi, every year it bothers me at the Gospel of Ash Wednesday sees, says to keep our prayer fasting private and walk around all day with ashes. It bothers the heck out of me too, Jen. But again, it's an act of, uh, if it's an act of showing everybody, look, I'm a good Catholic, that's wrong. But if you're showing everybody that you're dirt, and that's a good witness. So whether what we're, what we're using it for, hopefully we're using it to show the world that I am dust, but not just dust. I'm dust that's loved. Uh, thank you. Oh, I already asked that one. Do you have an opinion about the Thorn movie? T-H-O-R-N. I have no idea what that is. Sorry, Ann. Okay. I have one comment and one question. My comment first, I heard you say to write a letter to Jesus and then write his response to you. I've been doing this when I am at my holy hour, and this has been wonderful for me. I feel like I'm really conversing with the Lord. Absolutely. Uh, my question, why are so many churches saying parts of the Mass in Latin? I grew up with Latin Masses. I like English better. It's not a criticism, just wondering why. Because Latin is ancient in the church, and Latin is the universal way. So it used to be when everybody had Mass in Latin, you could be at Mass in uh, Germany and Italy and uh, France, and everybody had to say Mass, everybody understood everybody. And so after Vatican II, they thought it would be more, and I, I agree, that it's more important when it's in the language of the people so we can understand better, because like someone, I don't know Latin, sorry. Uh, so sometimes we use Latin to show uh, the ancientness of the liturgy and to also show our, our university in Vatican II, it says that we should have some things we still say in Latin, like the Lord's Prayer and everything else, to show the universalness of the church. I hope that helps. Okay. Just a boy, Father, you know. When we were in grade school back in the 40s, ooh, we were taught if a priest arrives shortly after a parent death, the priest can still anoint because we do not know the exact moment of death. Then that is correct, and they still do it that way. It's a good man. Teach us something new. I'm hooked. Thank you, Father. Uh, see one of those beautiful analogies you have the talent for. Uh, that's why you're hung your Jesus and Mary behind you like that. She's looking at him. You got it. Cleansing leper in Mark is so much still true today in so many ways. He was too, he was, he was told to remain silent and then told all, called this, this was the first social media. Yep, he kept going. I love your analogy between the Pharisees and Jesus' time and those today who reject his successor. I was blessed to be named Mary Beth by my parents. So I love the analogy about the Blessed Mother. There you go. Sadly, our pastor does not invite other priests. Yeah, exactly correct, because they want to be the God of their own life. And it's even interesting, like last night, and I, you know, I've been a priest for 33, soon to be 34 years. And uh, last night I was reading something. I was, I was trying to go back to you know, the, the promises I made. And I always thought primarily I had obedience and celibacy. And then last night I found 
a very interesting article about the seven promises a diocesan priest makes on the day of his ordination, which would have been fantastic for me to deal with last week. But one, that we work with the bishop. Two, we have to preach the truth of the Catholic faith. Three, we celebrate the liturgy reverently. Four, we remain celibate. Five, we have to pray without ceasing. Six, we have to imitate Jesus Christ. And seven, we have to obey our bishop. So here again, I've been ordained 34 years. And I, I said I made all those promises, but I never saw them explicitly put out there. And then, so now it's given me great uh, time for my meditation this morning. Like, wow, am I living these seven promises that I made? Because I didn't even know I made seven promises, even though I made seven promises. Isn't that amazing how we can go through things and believe things and forget all the reality of what happened? So, yes, um, I'm guilty of being angry too. Yes, me too. Let's let Jesus be real. Great thought. I also can only vote pro-life. Thank you for your explaining the answer. And yes, I'm still Google it. Safe travels to Sherman. Can I be healed of sinful anger? I've been battling this sin for a long time. I keep praying for being healed of the sinful anger, and uh, it doesn't happen like I want it to. But I'm better. That's why I see a counselor, which I'll see right after this, like us to be like right now. How is the sacrament of healing of the sick different from the last rites? It's when it's given. Last rites, we're preparing someone to get eternal life, and when it's done earlier, we're talking for the healing, physical healing. And we give viaticum at a uh, thing too. So anyway, I got to go see my shrink. So pray for me. Pray for uh, people I'll be speaking to next week. Pray for safe and smooth travel to there and back. Please. And uh, I know I'm praying for you every day, twice a day, and that I love you. And uh, we'll see you, God willing, next Thursday. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.